At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoo-ah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn. Hello and welcome to this week's Bad With Money mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn. This is a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. This week I am joined by our new, somewhat new, semi-co-host Mal Blum to react and respond to your messages and emails. Let's get into, into it. it. Hello, Mal. Hi. I keep trying to catch you doing the let's get into it, but... Oh, you want to do let's get into it together? I just want it to happen naturally, so I, it's okay. Oh, okay. No problem. We're going to get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Mal's also my fiance. I don't know if this is your first time listening to this show, but that's how we know each other. News to me. Okay, whatever. You should be so... You you are so lucky. I, You know, I'm not going to correct you. I don't want to... Cause a, a marital rift? Yeah, I, I don't, I've never met this person before, but I'm happy, just happy to be on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. On today's show, I'm going to read two emails about helping ADHD people budget, one about being an older gay landlord, care credit warning, a parent who won't plan, and more, more about being a land person. And then there's also some voicemails. In the second half of the show, I'm going to read two five-star Apple reviews, welcome to new patrons, read a very intense and vulnerable email about the cost of miscarrying, IVF, genetic testing, and veterinarians. So here's an email from Alex. Hello. My name is Alex, she, her, and I have some notes about money saving with ADHD, memory issues, or really any type of mental disorder. First, 
Mal was right about keeping an account only for your bills and not looking at it daily. I said that? I think you said something about not looking at like your stocks or your account. Oh, yeah. Because we don't have... I don't really experience... You don't object have object permanence. Permanence. In, yeah. So like I don't check my stocks every day, which is good because you're supposed to leave them in there. But you also maybe if you have an account that has like, you know, emergency money and you don't look at it or if you have an account that you're not fiddling with, that might be good for an ADHD person. We're also quite impulsive, though. So the <laughs> so trick is you have to trick yourself into forgetting that it's there. Otherwise, you're like, I have a whole new business plan and it only is going to take all of my money and it's going to work this time. Oh, well, if you get direct deposit, you can set it up through your work how much you want deposited from each paycheck. Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. If you get paid with cash, deposit that cash in an ATM as soon as possible and mm -hmm. set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. I have four bank accounts and this has really helped me. I have one for my bills, one for general spending, and one for short-term savings for shit that happens all the time but I forget about, like paying taxes on my car, general car maintenance, random things I need but forgot to budget for, etc. Yeah. I also have a compound interest savings account that I only check the balance of once a month. I know people have problems with opening multiple bank accounts, which is fair, so I have my general spending and short-term savings with the same bank and linked them so I don't have to pay any fees to move money over. It usually doesn't cost extra to open another account if you already have one with that bank. I know people want to use credit cards to pay their bills and then pay off that balance each month. But if you have to open multiple because you can't get approved for the amount you need, or you can only get one with a ridiculously high interest rate, then put that off until your payment history is better, which will improve your credit. Second, keep a note on your phone of the total amount of your bills each month. Include things like food and gas. That way you can quickly look at it if you want to spend money. Save it as your phone background or your lock screen if you have to. Three, Ask yourself a couple of questions before spending. I recommend including them with the total bills note. Question one, do I need this? Question two, do I want this? Question three, will I actually use it? Question four, can I get it cheaper somewhere else? Mm. Four, remove your payment information from your phone and computer. Having to manually type out information each time has saved me from emotional spending, spending when I'm looped out on medication, and even spending money while asleep. Mm. One time I spent $80 in my sleep for office supplies and then got charged about $200 in overdraft fees. Oh Fuck God. banks. That's such a scam. I know. It's the biggest scam. I talk about it in my book. It's the hugest scam. When she was like, oh, they, they, they charged me to open it. They won't charge you to open an account. I'm like, they shouldn't charge anyone to open an account. They're literally exactly. like investing with your money. They should not charge right. you money to op to hold your money and spend it. No, it's horrible. And there's um, debit resequencing, which they put your overdrafts in the exact order that causes you to pay the most in overdrafts. It's it's so insidious. Yes. I do have multiple credit cards, but I find that that helps. They're compartmentalizing with different bank accounts, but like mm -hmm. I, I do the same with the credit cards because I have like, this is a business credit card. This is mm -hmm. a personal. Yeah, definitely. And um, if you spent money in your sleep, I feel like that's Ambien. You got to I got because that's what Ambien was like so weird for me where I was awake, but fully asleep. I think what you would have to do is get a lockbox. Oh. Get a lockbox and then before you go to sleep, put your wallet or whatever in the lockbox. And then they make ones that have emergency open things, but you can only do it twice before you have to like destroy the thing. Or like get wow. something that you could break in an emergency, but that you won't right. break in your sleep. That's a good idea. Okay. Five. 
Type out or write down all your money goals and bills and keep them somewhere readily available. I like to use Excel, then I send it to my phone as a PDF so I can easily pull it up. This has saved me from unnecessary spending. Six, give yourself some cushion. You're going to forget some things, especially if you aren't billed monthly for it. Even including an extra $5 a paycheck in my bills account has saved me from getting those hellish overdraft fees. Why does our society punish us for being poor? I hate it. Mm. Seven, set multiple weekly or monthly alarms at different intervals to check your bank accounts and your incoming outgoing cash. Setting up one isn't enough. You will press dismiss and forget to do it. I like to set mine for a time in the morning, around my lunch break, and sometime after dinner. Think of it like flossing or brushing your teeth. Annoying but necessary. Seven, this is the most important one. Give yourself some grace. You will forget things. You will spend money you shouldn't have. You will make mistakes. That's okay. You are human. Just the other day, I found an app on my phone that I forgot to delete the easy pay for, and I spent $200 on shit I didn't need while my uterus was behaving in a way I do not approve of. Now I'm really hoping my landlord... (laughs) It's very funny. Now I'm really hoping my landlord cashes my rent check tomorrow instead of today. We'll see, I guess. Try not to talk to yourself in a hateful way. If you wouldn't say it to your loved ones, don't say it to yourself. The gist is, make it as inconvenient as possible to spend money and remind yourself in the most annoying ways to do things you need to do. I would also suggest reframing how you think about your finances. I don't like the word budgeting because it reminds me of restricting, and that is incredibly triggering for me. I think of it as another thing I need to do to maintain my physical and mental health. When I'm planning how much I put in my general spending account, I think about what my goals are. Am I okay putting a little extra in my general spending, or do I really want to put it in savings to reach my goals faster? This reframing has really helped me. I journal about my finances. I write out what I spent my money on and how much I've saved and how that made me feel. Before I started doing this, I didn't realize how much trauma I have regarding money. If I am remembering correctly in your book, Stimulus Rec Rebuilding After a Financial Disaster, which I loved, by the way, you recommended printing out bank statements for the past year to figure out what you are spending your money on. Oh, God. I would recommend instead exporting them to Excel as it's much easier to sort out and group information together. I'm not claiming to be an expert. However, I am pretty darn good with Excel. So if anyone needs help or just wants to have me do it for them, they can email me at alexhelpswith at gmail.com. Wow. Okay. Yeah, right? I'm taking you up on that. No, really. I can also help set up a spreadsheet that actually represents your money needs. My cash app is Alex Helps With, and you can pay what you can afford or nothing at all. I will take trades such as short stories or artwork. If you have nothing you can trade and no money, not a big deal. I want to help. If anyone wants my help, please do not email sensitive information such as your bank number or routing <laughs> number, address, or login information. Search out help where you can, but be careful. Thank you, Alex. P.S. I really love your show and can't wait for each episode. Thank you for, so much for all you do. P.P.S. I can't remember if I included a photo of my dog, Mr. Pink, because he is adorable and most people need to see that. He also <laughs> hates most people and I respect that about him. And I think Mr. Pink is a reference to Steve Buscemi's character in Reservoir yeah, Dogs, so is, I already yeah. love that. As a bush head myself. Also, a bush babe is what I was I was um, talking to my friend Leland and that's what we came up with as my name as a Buscemi fan. But here's the thing is that then Alex wrote in completely panicked about like saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I think I asked you to promote my business without giving you any money for that. Like it's an ad. So if you want me to pay you and I was like, no. So what is this person's job? I don't know. They just said uh, that they will help you with um, ADHD budgeting and all that kind of stuff and mental illness and budgeting. And they just want to help. And they they put, a you know, their cash app for donations or whatever. But um, then they were panicked emailing me saying, I'm so sorry. I think I asked you to do an ad for free. I, I apologize. And I was like, it's fine. Um, um, what if I need help not with budgeting, but with everything else? Yeah. Email. Hello. Alex, can you help me with um, everything? In my life yeah. or just budgeting? Yeah. Why don't you take them up on it? 
<laughs> I don't need help with the budgeting. I need help with all of this. Well, it says Alex helps with, and then it doesn't say what. It doesn't so say what. That's why I'm wondering. Email. Email her. I okay. I don't know her. That. Do you have to know every person that this person is providing a service? I mean, honestly, this would be a good scam. It's not. Okay. The way that they message so panicked, I don't think it's a scam. They also said don't send information. E- email Alex. What are you asking me for? I would f- I would wholeheartedly support that. I, I Listen, I don't want to put that on Alex. It's a lot. It's. They are asking you to. No, I need a prof- I need a trained professional who's seen some things. What do you think this person? Why would they make an entire? That's email why address? I asked what their job, what her job was. Okay, so why don't you email her and ask? I uh, okay. Let's. This is as good. She she gave her pronouns. I'm so used to like not knowing the pronouns of the people who write in. Yeah, sometimes they re- they do, which is good. Um, so if you guys want to keep doing that. Uh, that would be great. Also, I love that you're deflecting from any sort of help. All right. I'm ready for the next. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Let's keep this moving done. Good morning, Gabby and Mal. Hello. That's nice. We should say hello back. When I was listening to today's mailbag episode about budgeting with ADHD being impossible, I was thinking of the many conversations I've had with my sister, who also does not do budgets, which is funny because she works in accounting. But in her personal life, she has a hard time keeping track of the different pools of money like your listener. The plan that seems to work best for her is treating savings like a bill she has to pay every month. She's not great at sticking to a budget, but she's very good about keeping track of bills and what is due when. So she figures out a rough monthly average of how much she could be saving and went with a little less than that. Each month after she pays her car and rent, she quote unquote pays her savings that set amount. Could she save $50 more a month by sticking to a strict budget? Probably, but that doesn't work for her. And seeing what was left at the end of the month and transferring to savings never worked either, since if it was in her main checking account, she spent it. If there is a leaner month, she still pays her savings bill, but then takes out only what is needed to cover any shortfalls. I hope the listener finds something that will work for them, since you've talked about most financial advice and the world not being made for neurodivergence. Carrie. That's actually really smart. And I don't want to give any credit to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but uh, he talks about something similar in that book, which we will be ripping apart soon. Uh, But he does talk about something similar. And that is one of the only things that I wrote like, oh, that's interesting next to the page. Everything else I wrote, go fuck yourself. So I have heard that advice once before. I like the set it and forget it method as well. Mm -hmm. Like every month I have $180 goes automatically into my stock, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes you look at your checking account and you're like, I should have more money in here. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Another great tagline for for this show, Bad With Money. I should have more money in here. I should have more money in here. I'm actually pretty good with money, usually. I know you are. But yeah, I I do think set it and forget it works for ADHD brains pretty good. I mean, that can be bad when it comes to things like canceling subscriptions or if you're not at risk for overdrafting and you just set it to take $50 out every month and move it to your savings, like you'll forget about it and then you'll be like, I have $2,000. Okay, I'm pretty aggro. And if I get charged, like if I forgot about a subscription and I get charged like $100 for the annual whatever, uh, I ha- I do email the people and say, I have not used your app in X, Y, and Z months, as you can see on this, you know, whatever. I, I provide evidence. And then I say, so I will be expecting my refund. Like, I don't even ask. I don't say like, oh, mm. is it possible to do anything about this? I go, so I will need my refund deposited in the next three to five days. Right. And then and then like likely because do I don't give them any room to argue, they do it. <laughs> this is what I feel like takes advantage of 
people with ADHD though, because that's, Mm -hmm. that's another task. You know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. another thing. Um, It's another task and it's also confrontational. It's confrontational. It's it's one of the ones that you'd be likely to avoid. Honestly, I just got charged the other day for an OkCupid premiere account. I have not had OkCupid in, I didn't even know I had an account on OkCupid anymore. Write to them and say that. Say, I don't have an, or just even, I'm not, you're not lying, but even if you do, sometimes I'll be like, I don't actually have an account with this company. So if you could just please refund my money, because I don't know what happened. I certainly, I mean, I deleted my account and I certainly didn't sign up for Premiere and I'm like keeping an eye on it because I'm like, is this like fraud or something? Email them. I mean, I know it's a task, but email them and just be not be polite, but be firm. Like this is what I'm expecting. I'm expecting your company to go bankrupt (laughs) by giving me as many refunds as I ask in general because no one uses it anymore. And (laughs) rude. What about all those poly couples in their 40s that are absolutely using OkCupid? OkCupid was good. I mean, I'll miss it. But now that they're charging me for no reason, I won't miss it. Yeah. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances. You can collaborate on your budget. You can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work. Taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers, 37,025, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining, accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. 
one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. And I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. This is a voicemail from Ramona about genetic testing. Hey, Gabby. Ramona here in Atlanta. Um, Thank you so much for your episode on the costs of childcare, fertility, having a kid, all of it. Um, I am in the throes of a long journey with infertility. My partner and I, um, we've done three rounds of IVF and um, are luckily very early on in a spontaneous pregnancy that is trending in the right direction. So we're very excited. But I was calling with some context to your questions about um, genetic testing, uh, genetic abnormalities, and choosing the best embryo. Um, as you know, IVF is fantastically expensive. And so you choose the best embryo and that is literally, they're they're graded on a scale of basically like size, um, you know, not too big, not too small, like the right amount of cells, um, the like appropriate nucleus. Um, so it's sort of a visual scale of which one is the best looking because that is what we hope has the best chance of implanting the genetic testing aspect. Um, has to do with, um, as you probably know, the vast majority of miscarriages in people with uteruses happen in the first trimester. But it's because almost always 
of a genetic abnormality. And that is something that is not able to be corrected and that fetus would not be compatible with life. And so that is a huge contributor to early miscarriages. And that is why you get these embryos tested genetically and you put in the one that has the best odds of creating a baby um, or a fetus. And, um, you know, having gone through the process of getting pregnant and having a child with not compatible with life um, genetic abnormalities and then having to terminate that pregnancy, doing it before you have to go through this horrific trauma of terminating a deeply wanted pregnancy and now in a, in a state where I wouldn't be able to, um, it's important to know that the embryo you're implanting is as sound as it can be. Not everybody has to choose to do this, but it isn't like eugenics. You're not picking their eye color. You're just picking the embryo that has the best odds of making it. Anyway, I hope that provides some context for you and for everybody listening. Um, And I really appreciate your show. It changed my whole relationship with money. And um, thank you. Take care. Bye. You were bumping on the title of genetic testing, but it's not, it's not what it sounds like. It's they're, they're trying to test for what would be a viable pregnancy. They're not, they're not like taking out the gay gene. Well, yeah. So I thank you for writing this in Ramona because it had not occurred to me uh, until just now that because of the overturning of Roe, if you have a, a pregnancy that is you have to have the best chance of a pregnancy being viable because you may not be able to receive um, a life-saving abortion or... I mean, this if you can avoid that trauma... Yes, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I fully understood that before, so... Well, because it sounds this. bad. It's The titling of it sounds like it's something else. It sounds like it could yeah. be eugenics, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and I'm open to finding out I was wrong about that, so thank you. Seems like you just did. <laughs> I just did. And I, that's part of why I love these mailbags. Yeah. I love to be I love to find out that I, I'm wrong. You, so didn't even say, you. you said it bumps for me. Can people write in and tell me more about that? Like, you yeah, didn't, you didn't take a hard position on it. No, no, not at all. And, the, and I'm going to read. There's another email about this. Hi, Gabby. Thank you for reading my email on your show. My apologies for not clarifying in my first email. I didn't consider how jarring the term genetically abnormal could be to someone unfamiliar with IVF. Because genetically normal just means the embryo has 46 chromosomes, while abnormal refers to embryos that may have an extra chromosome, chromosomes, or are missing a chromosome, chromosomes. This type of testing is called PGTA, pre-implantation genetic testing for aneuploidy. I'm so sorry. I mess up terms all the time. Aneuploidy, A. A-N-E-U-P-L-O-I-D-Y is the medical term for not having the correct number of chromosomes. It is common in IVF because an embryo without the correct number of chromosomes has almost no chance of resulting in a live birth. And those that do typically do not survive long after birth or have severe birth defects. When you are doing IVF and every embryo transfer is thousands of dollars, embryo testing helps you select embryos that have a chance at success versus ones that have no chance. Even with a genetically normal embryo, your chances of taking home a child are about 50 to 65% per embryo transfer. PGTA is the most common type of genetic testing. The other type is called PGTM, pre-implantation genetic testing for monogenetic single gene disorders. This is much more expensive and is done when one or both of the parents has the possibility of passing down a disease allele that will severely inhibit the child's quality of life. Think Tay-Sachs, Huntington, cystic fibrosis, sickle cell, etc. This test looks at the actual DNA alleles, not just the chromosome count. 
I also want to clarify my statement on choosing a boy over a girl. We would fully support the gender identity and sexuality of our child, no matter what, and recognize that the sex assigned at birth is not definitive. I should have used more gender-inclusive language to make my statement more clear. My concern is specifically bringing a child with a uterus into this world where they would not be able to have the ability to make their own reproductive choices due to the loss of Roe v. Wade. Sex selection is a touchy topic in IVF circles, and as I said, my husband and I didn't even consider it last year because we didn't care. But if I have the option to assure my child will never be forced to carry a pregnancy against their will since they don't have a uterus to do so, is it okay to make that choice? We're still figuring it out, and we may default to just not choosing at all and let the doctor select the best and healthiest embryo to transfer. Thanks again, and I hope this clears up some of your questions, Rachel. Ooh, that took a turn. I was like, it's not, they can't like choose characteristics of the baby, and then they're like, yes, we, they can. We can people choose were writing their in that they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I understand her reasoning, though. I, that's a hard, that is a tough ethical question. I do not know. Good thing this isn't an ethics podcast. My worry is that you choose to have an AMAB child, they end up being a trans woman, boom, still have problems. You know right. what I mean? She's like, I don't want my baby to ha- to grow to have to be forced to carry a pregnancy against their will. So right, she, I but, know. but like, I don't know. I'm like- Anything could happen. Yeah, you can't- <laughs> You can't control the world or your children, really. I mean. Yeah, but it is interesting. You know what's interesting, too? Uh, I probably should have brought this up before we were engaged. Um, I do carry a recessive gene for Tay-Sachs. Yeah, I know that you know that. (laughs) I know, Um, yeah. And Tay-Sachs is something that Jewish people get uh, tested for because uh, if two Jewish people have a baby, there's a more higher likelihood that we could have a baby with Tay-Sachs where the baby would not live very long after birth. It's like a year. Yeah. And they, and, it's, and I think they, it's very painful and traumatic, but yes, I, uh, they, they have like those, what do they call them? Uh, Punnett squares Yeah, with the Tay-Sachs, whatever. And mm-hmm. it, I forget whatever it is. It's like whatever combination my parents have, it's like one in four children is like the um, risk of- Carrier? No, is the risk of having Tay-Sachs. Like one will be Mm. a carrier and one will probably have Tay-Sachs. And they had three children. Wow, really skirting the line there. (laughs) I know, I know. Yeah, I've never been tested for that, so I don't know. We can't um, reproduce biologically and also we don't want children. (laughs) So it's not really an issue, but- Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read an email about care credit. Hi, Gabby. Love the show. You mentioned care credit as an option for people with vet, healthcare, or dentistry bills. I think this advice should come with a huge caveat. If you pay the balance in full during the promotional period, for example, $1,200 in six months, you pay no interest, which is less expensive than financing it with a credit card. If you can't pay the balance on time, you pay all the interest accrued since the loan originated and the interest rate is high. See the 24.99% interest rate and $30 to $41 monthly missed payment fees in the credit agreement. That kind of interest rate means the balance balloons to double at the six-month mark and the debt becomes difficult to pay off. In this case, people would probably pay less interest on their credit card, assuming their credit card has a lower interest rate than 24.99%. God, I hope so. Okay. In a Venn diagram of people who don't have $1,200 for a vet or healthcare emergency, we should consider that there's significant overlap with the group of people who can't pay $1,200 off in six months and would get trapped in a predatory loan. I think care credit is still a good option for some people, but it's critical to understand the risk of not paying off the balance during the promotion window. Like I would try to pay this bill even if it meant making my rent or utilities late. It represents that large of a risk. Anyway, here's one more call for dental care to be included in Medicaid and health insurance for everybody so no one has to take predatory loan terms to pay for their health care. Thanks for your wonderful show, Bethany. Where are your teeth? 
In your in body. Your so I body. don't understand. Where are your eyes? In your body. I know. They should be. I know. Included in your health. I know. This is an email from Anonymous. Dear Gabby and potentially Mal, I'm a big fan of both Bad With Money and JBU and always try to listen on the day they come out. I have three pets all over the age of 10, so I'm no stranger to the high costs that come with keeping my aging pets healthy and have been enjoying the stories and perspectives shared so far. That said, since you are usually so understanding of mental health issues and there have been some really critical comments made about veterinarians, I wanted to call out that they have disproportionately high rates of suicide and depression. Oh, no. According to a 2018 report by the CDC, one in six veterinarians have contemplated suicide in the past year. Male veterinarians are 1.6 times and female veterinarians are 2.4 times more likely than the general public to commit suicide. This came to my attention from an old high school friend who became a veterinarian. So someone I remember as incredibly empathetic, dedicated, and Introverted, but also someone I am not quite close enough with any longer to call up and get her current perspective. She shared several studies pre-pandemic on this growing problem. In short, I think of the high mental health tolls of needing to provide euthanasia for both beloved animals and perfectly healthy animals that just weren't able to find a home, dealing with neglectful or even hostile pet owners, working long hours, and a salary that begins at half of a typical doctor's salary. That matters when their education was just as costly as a regular physician and potentially more challenging. After all, your typical doctor doctor learns to treat one species and vets while they may specialize learn to treat all kinds of pets and domesticated species from dogs to goats to parakeets to iguanas and they learn to treat both animals physical and mental health needs also i want to add in that a human can tell you what's wrong and an animal cannot I, that's just me, Gabby, adding that in. <laughs> this had to become worse during the pandemic, as on top of everything, more people have adopted pets, but the rate of veterinarians hasn't increased at nearly the same rate. This means even more pressure to treat higher numbers of pets or know they are going to be untreated. Personally, since learning this, I have tried to keep compassion front of mind when talking with my veterinarians and keep this in mind when I'm paying for those high costs. I'm sure there's a better way to make animal health care costs more accessible, but I don't know if that is always by challenging or criticizing the vet directly. I hope this doesn't come across as too critical of you slash bad with money as I totally understand your skepticism when it comes to costs. Much love to you both. Congrats on your engagement. Sincerely, an anonymous kind of person, she, her. Sorry for the bummer email I almost didn't share, but after not really hearing it called out after like four mail bags, I decided to fight my lurker default to share some awareness. You know what's funny is that the people that write gentle emails are like, I'm so sorry, I don't want to seem critical or call you out. And then the people that write like, and they don't realize how many emails I get that are just like, fuck you. (laughs) So I do appreciate this. I always love new perspectives. Yeah, the amount of people that are like, you read my email on the air and now I fucking hate you because of the of a gentle gentle pushback so um you did nothing wrong anonymous and this was actually really enlightening so thank you i would be interested to know what the study was cdc it was the cdc so the cdc in the height of the pandemic was like no right before the pandemic they were like let's test the suicidal risk of veterinarians in particular i think they do it with different jobs like i remember you know the old thing about how dentists have super high suicide rates and people always say it's because um their dental work like working on teeth is boring but i don't know if that's true that's just a thing people say like sometimes there are coincidences and and like sometimes there's Ah. a a correlation but it's not a causation you know i want michael hobbs to look at that study (laughs) michael hobbs look into it you don't know who that is you're but you'll be a better person if you do look it but up. he talks also, about he was that a guest sometimes. on this show he was a guest on this show in 2016 and i didn't know what i had do you want to see if he wants to swap oh my god i'll take whoever if he his wanted to come back on the and show he can, <gasps> and he can marry you and be your co-host honestly 
I would marry. Yeah. I will propose to Aubrey right now. I hope she hears this and I hope she considers my proposal. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, this is an email from Carly. Dear Gabby, I, 25, live with my partner, 28, in Seattle. We recently helped my mom, 56, relocate from California to about an hour out of Seattle so she could be closer to us and generally live in a less expensive area. From 2019 to 2021, my mom was living almost full-time with my grandpa and taking care of him as he declined. He passed away in November of 2021. This was another large reason for the move. I was really hoping that my mom would start taking retirement seriously once she was working again, she's a hairdresser, and had to move away from the small town we both grew up in. However, instead of focusing on saving and planning for retirement, she's been blowing a lot of the money from the sale of her home in California and her inheritance. Outside of that money, she has zero retirement savings, and if she doesn't start thinking about taking care of herself in her older age, the financial burden will entirely fall on me. I'm her only child, and she is unmarried. I'm a software engineer right now, but eventually want to transition to something that isn't soul deadening. I picked this field for the financial stability. But if I have to solely financially support her, I will be stuck as a corporate yuppie forever. At this point, she doesn't really respect my opinion anymore and simply says I'm not her parent or stop trying to be my mom when I bring these things up. She is constantly comparing herself and what she should expect to have against her wealthier friends and her brother who is a fancy lawyer. 
She wants a new car, a facelift, a new house, a purebred dog, and lots of other things. She also has a little bit of a gambling problem, which I thought had mostly been nipped in the bud over the course of COVID and moving to a new place where she wasn't familiar with the casinos. But just last week, I got a phone call to come pick her up because she was drunk at the casino. Oh, man. I know I've painted her in a bit of a bad light here, but I do really love my mom and I want her to have a good rest of her life. She's a very carefree person who, for the most part, has had men in her life take care of her. Boyfriends, two ex-husbands, and my grandpa. But somehow I've become the man in her life and I hate it. How do I balance being a hard ass on these financial things that really do matter while maintaining a good relationship with her? I know you can only lead a horse to water, but her careless financial choices will change the course of my life, whether she realizes it or not. Lots of love, Carly. P.S. I love Bad With Money and Just Between Us. You are hot and Allison is funny. Also, the only time I met you in person has haunted me and I wanted to correct something. I went to your live show book signing in Seattle and at the meet and greet line, you said Carly, like Carly Rae Jepsen. And I said, yeah, that's who I'm named after. And you said, what? How old are you? <laughs> and I was so embarrassed, I just shrugged. To be clear, I was not named after Carly Rae Jepsen. I was named after Carly Simon. Hopefully, my mortification can finally be put to rest. If you're ever in Seattle, hit me up and I'll show you around. That is so funny. Yeah. I don't. It's hard because I'm so used to being parentalized and parenting parents. That I was going to say, was it like, sounds like your dad. <laughs> I was like, this sounds so normal to me. But like reading it from someone else, I was like, oh, no. Well, and in terms of end of life. Specifically, yeah. thinking, Go on. you are always like, I, I can't think about what's going on with them financially. But this person is- I put a boundary up where I was like, this can't be my problem. Right. But this person is thinking, I'm the only child. I'm going to have to help them through end of life stuff. Help her, the mother. It's just the mother and the child. Mm-hmm. I think they're right. I mean, I think they're absolutely right. It's going to fall to them. But the problem is that- Aside from sitting her down and being like, this is how this will affect me. You can't do anything else. Like you really can't. That's what I'm saying. But But um, I wonder if you could put up a boundary. I mean, it sucks. But my boundary I've put up is just like, I can't think about this. I can't make this my problem. It sounds cold, but I'm like, I won't be engaging in this as like, I'm not spending my money on this. I mean, it's easy to say. That being said, I did just pay for something for them. Yeah, it's easy to say, right? You'll do it, you know, like that's. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to. Will I though? Yes, absolutely. Uh, You think I will? Of course. I mean, who's going to be like, no, I mean. Yeah, it's it's difficult. And I one thing that I'm very lucky about is that you were talking about picking her up drunk. And one thing that I'm very lucky about is that my dad is sober now. Right. So I don't have that added problem. However, he I do think uses the stock market to scratch some sort of gambling itch that he has. That's the thing, right? It's like you can only put up boundaries of like, okay, mom, if you're drinking, if you're at the casino, like I can't see you. Right. Maybe putting up some sort of boundary around like spending time that might motivate her. Right. Or, you know, I, I mean, that's hard though, right? Cause you could be like, okay, mom, if you don't save any of this inheritance, like I cannot help you with medical bills. Like I cannot, but then like, you know, yeah, when she has yeah. medical bills, like, you know, who's going to be I like, know. no, I mean, it's very difficult, but, but it sounds like this is really adding to the stress in this person's life. I know. If anyone has suggestions or has dealt with this specifically before, please write in. I know probably you guys will have a lot of good stuff to say. I just really feel for you, Carly. I really, really do. Um, Okay, this is an email from Andy. uh, And it says two things. First, 
I am a landlord. Most of our houses are, here we go. Most of our houses are $2,400 to $3,300 a month, but I also manage two Section 8 properties. All of these people are in a position that they don't want to buy or can't buy. Also, the majority of our tenants in our high-end homes are black. This is the most obvious example of systemic racism. We rent to the first legible person who applies, but it seems that people who have not been taught basic financial principles end up in high-end rentals, and we are trying to help with that. Second, I'm also a big old white gay guy. Big queen, if you will. Entrepreneur, married with kids. I think I could do a podcast to speak to older gays. We could talk about housing, relationships later in life, money, restarting your career, health for older gays, etc. My question would be if I should approach this as a labor of love or approach it as a possible income stream. I don't want to take time away from my real estate business if there's no stream of income. But labor of love I could do on the weekends. I appreciate your thoughts on the matter, Andy. (laughs) Well, Andy, I would say that since you're a landlord um, and all of your income is passive, you probably have a lot of time to do a podcast. I don't think you need. I don't think you need a lot more time. I would imagine there's so much to unpack there. Like Andy, God bless you, but there's so much to unpack there. Where it's like, where it's like, I'm a landlord. I'm a landlord for a specific subset of people. I do agree that financial literacy would keep people from maybe help them not pay so much money for high-end rentals when but you don't have to, but... You're the one setting the price. But you're offering that. You're setting the price. I don't understand. I do not understand. Like, he's like, oh, well, I think people shouldn't pay... They, they would know not to pay so much for high-end rentals that I am setting the price of. What? Yeah. And then he's like, and you know what I need to do? Start a podcast. So the question had nothing I, to do with being like, with like, am I an ethical landlord? It had nothing to do with that. He was just like, how do I, I how do I start a podcast? Do you think I'll have time with my landlord stuff? Andy, please write in. I need to hear more from you. I need, this was a short email. I need you to break down everything that you're trying to I feel, say. Andy, and don't I, be and mad I, at me. He's going to be mad at no, me. No, I'm not. Don't be mad at me, but I'm going to need, I'm going to need, you He's left gonna more questions He's not going to be mad at you. He's going to be mad at me. No, you left more questions than answers, Andy, and I'm going to need some more of that. So this is an email about, it's a very intense email, so trigger warning uh, for miscarriage and medical trauma. Hi, Gabby. I very strongly prefer to stay anonymous, but your mention of miscarriage made me want to share my experience. I'm a cis woman using she, her pronouns, married to a cis, he, him, man. So very traditional, whatever that means, relationship format. You touched on this briefly, but I want to mention read the portrayal of miscarriage in popular media. That is, it's virtually always portrayed as, well, we lost it. That's it now. Time to move on. And then the episode ends and they never talk about it ever again. In June 2018, I had my IUD removed with the intention of getting pregnant. Just before Christmas 2018, I got a positive pregnancy test. Did you know an OB generally won't see you until you're 8 to 10 weeks along? Truthfully, if it's too early, there's usually not a lot to see on an ultrasound. But it also means I spent about a month happily thinking I was pregnant. At the Mm. confirmation ultrasound, I was diagnosed with what's called a missed miscarriage. Sometimes you'll also hear blighted ovum. The gestational sac was empty and there was no embryo. I was rife with morning sickness for a baby I wasn't having. And also that my body was showing zero signs of relinquishing. The best they could offer was to have me come back in a week to confirm the original diagnosis. Because in theory, my conception dates could have been a little off and the pregnancy might have been a little earlier than we thought. Spoiler alert, there was no happy ending after that second ultrasound. 
I'm trying not to get overly graphic here, but I basically spent two separate weekends trying to end the pregnancy medically. The first one was a total failure and the second went better. But at my follow up, the OB commented she could still see a little tissue on the ultrasound, but she thought it would come out on its own. Only she never took another look to confirm that. I'm going to pause here and reemphasize. I found out I was miscarrying in January 2019. This comment was made to me probably around mid-February. My instructions were basically that once my period returned, we could try again. About once a month, maybe more, I'd return to the OB office because my period still hadn't returned. Each time, she'd insist that it was fine and I just needed to wait a little longer. They would even do blood draws to check my HCG pregnancy hormone levels and confirm that they were falling, which they were, quickly at first, but then slowing down. My OB at the time was also pregnant herself, so I also had the fun of watching her stomach grow, and meanwhile, I can't even try again because I'm not still cycling. In hindsight, I should have fought her more, but she just seemed so sure about what she was talking about, so basically, I'd go in crying, and then she'd talk me down and convince me to wait a little longer. By end of June 2019, she went out on maternity leave, and I'd finally had enough, so I went back again and asked for an ultrasound from another doctor who is covering her patients. <gasps> Turns out I still needed a DNC. This is a big problem. Leftover tissue from a pregnancy is a huge sepsis risk, and here I yeah. was walking around like that for months. June. Yeah. The covering doctor kept it professional, but I'm pretty sure she was about as pleased, re-pissed, as I was. I'd gone in for this on a Friday, and Monday morning, the beginning of July now, I was reporting to a surgical center for my DNC. That's right, I spent six months having the same miscarriage. This took a massive toll on my mental health, which in turn screwed with my physical health, because, well, wasn't exactly feeling up to taking care of myself. Yeah. And I got to pay for this. All of it. I paid a $40 copay almost every time I went back crying, asking where my period was. Sometimes they'd book me for a blood draw to check my HCG levels, but not an appointment. So no copay, but there'd be a leftover balance after insurance made its payment on all the blood draws. I paid the leftover balance after insurance from two ultrasounds. I paid for misoprostol four separate times because they'd filled the prescription. Tell me we'll refill it if you call in the after hours line if nothing's happening, which I had to do both weekends. I also had my husband pick it up every single time because of all the horror stories I'd heard about pharmacists being dicks to people about abortion drugs. After the DNC, I got bills for the doctor services, the surgical center, and the anesthesiologist services. I was fortunate enough to have generous PTO and a flexible enough schedule for my employer to go to all these appointments and blood draws, but barring that, who the hell has time to spend six months having a miscarriage? I still didn't get pregnant again until early January 2021 after going through five months of fertility treatments. I definitely think the hell the first OB put me through and also myself as a person who spent six months having the same miscarriage and took shitty care of their body during that time because of it were at least semi-related to my subsequent infertility. I stuck with the OB who did my DNC and she eventually delivered my baby via C-section. We didn't end up needing to go the IVF route, but like another person mentioned in the episode, once we got past diagnosis, everything was completely out of pocket and we spent about five conceiving our baby. Again, no IVF here, so we are the quote-unquote lucky ones. I'm glad my son is finally here, but it's very unlikely we'll try to have a second child because of it. Also, I live in a state that got fucked after Roe fell, and so I don't trust that they wouldn't let me die of my next miscarriage like the first OB tried to, so there's that. My experience was unusual, but my diagnosis wasn't. Missed miscarriages are the most common reason pregnancies end in the first trimester, and miscarriage will affect about one in five people who get pregnant. I don't want to speak for others, but for me, technically, there was never a heartbeat, so in theory, I should not have been impacted by the barbaric way abortion laws have changed since then. But of course, these laws were written vaguely by people without any kind of medical education, or my first OB, I don't know. So who knows what would have happened if I'd had that miscarriage in 2022. I'm already hearing stories, both in the news and offline, about 
about pregnant people getting screwed over because doctors' hands have been tied by lawmakers. I didn't really intend to go on this long, but as I got through my story, I felt it important to call out specifically. Abortion bans can kill pregnant people, and that can take shape in an unimaginable, horrifying number of ways, whether it's delayed care for miscarriage like mine, or if it's a person in an abusive situation whose partner decides to take matters into their own hands. Yes, homicide is a leading cause of death for pregnant people, but pro-life, quote unquote, right? I'm finding myself at a loss for how to wrap this up. I was intrigued when you first put out your call for stories on this topic, but I didn't even know where to start because I've experienced so many different things related to it. But the miscarriage mentioned definitely hit a nerve for me, and it was something I felt the episode didn't dive into as much as it could have. I agree. Media portrayals of miscarriage tend to offer it as a 10-minute dramatic moment at most, and the truth is that it's usually something that can be drawn out for a very long time. Usually not six months, to be clear, but several weeks, definitely. On the whole, I did really appreciate what I learned from this episode and queer perspectives of pregnancy. To think I've got $900 a vial of semen sleeping next to me at night. I mean, okay, but maybe not. Oh, she's referring to her husband. I haven't gotten to the elopement episode yet. We did not actually elope, but I wanted to offer a huge congrats to you and Mal. I first Uh saw the proposal on Instagram and I'm so thrilled for you too. Thank you, Monica. We didn't actually elope. So when you listen to that episode, you'll realize that that's not what happened. Thank you though. This is crazy. Yeah. Thank you so much for this email. And I I did say in the episode, I said very flippantly that the media portrayal of miscarriage is so incorrect. And I agreed that we didn't go into it enough in the episode. And so thank you for showing the, the, real detailed side of this like this is something that i have never seen portrayed like this and i i am i think this is this email was so so necessary i listen i know that you probably have a lot on your plate and we live in a very litigious society um but i think that you should at the very least dispute not not the dnc but with that obg i want gyn because she could have killed you yeah she literally could have killed you yeah I know. <sighs> Makes me really angry. And maybe just leave a really harsh Yelp review. No, get your, at least get your <laughs> copays back. Get your money back. Agreed. Okay, we're going to finish up by welcoming two patrons. Welcome to Huxley and Cade. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. And now I'm going to read two Apple reviews and then we'll release you into your weekend. This is from NCleaveLA85. Finances made simple. I have been listening to this podcast since the first season and enjoy every episode. It is filled with smart money habits and information that makes me feel empowered by finances instead of limited. Gabby is a compassionate host that listens to guests and can balance multiple perspectives at the same time. So refreshing. Mal is a great addition to the show and I relate to so much of what they have to say. Also, thanks for recommending the How to Buy a Home podcast. My husband and I were able to close on our first home. We are able to take this huge step in no small part thanks to you and your podcast. Love your podcast. Looking forward to future episodes. It's so wonderful. And then this is from Brit. Are you okay? Relatable and interesting. My name is Gabby and I've been bad with money. Well, imagine my surprise when I was panic Googling after taking a look at all my debts and feeling like I'll never be out of it. And I find a podcast called Bad With Money hosted by someone with my name. This podcast is relatable and not condescending. Being in debt feels so overwhelming, but worse, it feels lonely and shameful. It's helpful to feel less alone and hear a number of different topics as I try to get better with money. Did you write this to yourself? No, I didn't. And I'm going to, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to this listener if I ever change my name. Okay. Who wrote the note? You two. Who wrote it? Okay. That's a Jersey Shore reference that Mal and I have been talking about for an unrelated reason. Okay. 
If you want more of me, you can find me on an app called Amp every Wednesday at 9 a.m. on a show This Week in Gay that I do. You can also get my book Stimulus Rack at try.scribd.com slash done60. Uh, it's free for 60 days. If you want to write in, we're doing an episode about scams and we're also doing an episode about uh, the cost of transitioning. So please write in. I would love to hear from you. Be sure to send me an email at gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. Join our online communities too. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of these will be listed in the episode description. Don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. Also leave me a five-star Apple review. Mal, do you have any thoughts? I had some thoughts on making a budget and ADHD. Say them. I don't remember. Uh, is this a joke? Yes. <laughs> wow. Where can people find you? I'm at Mal Blum, M-A-L-B-L-U-M on all social media. And uh, you can find my music on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, everywhere you listen to music. Bye. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.